I'm Savannah Hutka with Hutka Farms in Westphalia, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It is always great to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we see another week of declining wheat conditions here in Texas. While wheat harvest is underway in South, East, and Central Texas, We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The overall grain market outlook as 2023 progresses is calling for an increase in acres, yields, and supplies, even though challenges are still confronting farmers. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more in my report on Texas Ag Today. We're experiencing a rare moment in time when every segment of the beef industry has a good chance to be profitable. But beef quality must remain a priority. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. The latest World Agricultural Supply and Demand estimates from the Department of Agriculture projects a record corn crop along with increased soybean production. I'm Michael Clements, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. It's the same story again this week. The weekly Texas Crop Progress and Condition Report is released and the condition of the Texas wheat crop continues to go down. This week's report shows 57% of the Texas wheat crop in poor to very poor condition. That is one of the highest poor to very poor ratings of this growing season. That leaves 28% of the wheat crop rated fair and 20% of the Texas wheat crop in the good to excellent categories. Tom Gregory grows wheat northeast of Lubbock in Petersburg. He says his irrigated wheat is looking good in the home stretch here heading to harvest, but it took a lot of water to get it there. Uh, yes, our irrigated uh, wheat will take the grain. We did uh, silage about 40% of our irrigated wheat just because we didn't have the irrigation capacity to stay up with it and take it to grain field and because we had to get started uh, getting that profile built uh, for our summer crops. But uh, what we have left, uh, you know, looks good. Of course, we popped a lot of water on it, uh, so it, it, it needs to be good. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's not any dry land wheat uh, in, in West Texas, you know, north where I'm at, north uh, east of Lubbock. There's just not any dry land wheat. And the hope is that all of that time and expense and irrigation will pay off. Knock on wood, it, uh, it looks good right now. Of course, you know, we've got another... I would say probably another 30 to, uh, days and, you know, storms this time of year can bring, bring hail and high wind. So you, you never want to 
<laughs> think it's very good to get it in the elevator, but it, it where we've watered it and able to stay up with it, it, it looks good. Now, this week's report doesn't show any wheat harvest progress, but these reports tend to be a week or two behind. We do know that harvest is rolling in central Texas and has wrapped up in much of south Texas. Colin Choplis is in the Beeville area south of San Antonio. He says his wheat harvest was very disappointing this year. Well, yields were definitely down from where we would like them to be. Uh, We were extremely dry when we planted the wheat. It was extremely dry all the way through the growing season until the very end when we got ready to start harvesting and seemed like we were dodging rain showers every day. So we we finally got it out, but yield was about half of what was expected. Planting progress continues to stay on schedule here in Texas. Right now, 90% of the Texas rice crop is planted, 81% of the Texas corn crop in the ground. Sorghum planting now stands at 76% and cotton planting at 30%. Grain markets are feeling the pressure from the latest predictions by USDA, which call for huge corn and soybean crops this year. Tom Nicoletti checks in with a Texas A&M grain marketing specialist for his take on the 2023 grain markets. My guest today is Dr. Mark Welch. He is Extension Economist with Texas A&M University uh, for Grain Marketing. And uh, Dr. Welch, you uh, talked to a number of producers uh, recently in Lubbock about uh, the 2023 grain season, whether it be for corn, grain, sorghum, and wheat. Uh, What's your main message about those crops and uh, how uh, farmers can look ahead and hopefully be uh, optimistic for some good crops? The big picture for 2023 is we have the conditions in place. The incentives are there for significant increase in production in the U.S. globally for our feed grains, for wheat in particular. We're relatively high prices historically. Yeah, we're we're lower than we were perhaps at this time a year ago, but going back five or ten years, these are still really good grain prices. The incentives are there to push production. There's challenges, of course, obviously still on the production side to make that crop. Much of the area of Texas is still dry, but for those areas where our moisture conditions are are much improved, and, and we do have those around the state, particularly in the U.S., if you look up in the Corn Belt, where most of our grain price setting activity is going to take place, the situations are there for a very productive year. I think we're looking at a year of an increase in acres, an increase in yields, and a significant increase in supply across our grain complex. And so we still have the impacts, the, the lingering effects of a, of a very severe drought over much of the uh, western part of the state, extending up into the uh, Oklahoma and into much of, uh, of Kansas, parts of Nebraska, eastern Colorado. You don't just heal that up overnight, even though the, the longer term forecast does look more favorable. Uh, we're still going to be dealing with uh, the challenges that that's created for us. It does look like more normal kind of weather patterns for this summer and perhaps even more favorable weather patterns for our winter planted crops as we get into this fall. That is Dr. Mark Wells. He is Texas A&M Extension Economist for Grain Marketing. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We are experiencing a rare moment in time where every segment of the beef industry can be profitable. But James Hunt tells us beef quality must remain a priority. In yesterday's report, we talked about how cattle feeders are currently in a time where they're able to make some good profits off the fed cattle they sell. 
but Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association says overall things are going well for everyone throughout the beef business. Their packer is making a little bit of money if you look at his margins. The feed yard is making some money today if you look at their margins. And the cow-calf guy is making some money today if you look at their margins. This doesn't happen very often where all of the segments seem to be reaping a little bit of that benefit from the prices that we're receiving. But today I can sit here and say that. However, Miller says to keep the beef business strong, it's important that everyone involved does their part to keep consumers satisfied. Certainly maintaining good beef quality comes into play with that. At the recent Hemp Hill County Beef Conference, Dr. Dan Hale of Texas A&M AgriLife talked about one of the simplest things producers can do to help assure good quality. When it's time to give your animals their shots, follow the label instructions on where to put the needle to avoid injection blemishes. If it's subcutaneous, make sure you put it under the skin. If it's intermuscular, you put it in the muscle. In both cases, you're going to put it in front of the shoulder. If you put it in the round or in the sirloin, that is going to show up as a knot within that muscle. Eventually, that chemical will go away so that there's nothing wrong with the meat but it will put fat and cartilage and make it much tougher when you do that so that's why the recommendation is move everything to the shoulder and put that under the skin when it's appropriate and put it in the muscle when that's appropriate if you'd like more advice on maintaining beef quality texas a&m agrilife and texas cattle feeders association are good sources to call upon i'm james hunt on the texas farm bureau radio network the latest World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates from the Department of Agriculture projects a record corn crop along with increased soybean production. Michael Clements has the story from Washington. USDA's May World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates projects increased corn and soybean production this year. In fact, Bert Nelson, American Farm Bureau Federation economist, says USDA projects a record corn crop for 2023. USDA estimated corn planted will be around 92 million acres and a trend line yield of 181.5 bushels per acre. This puts corn production projected at right around 15.2 billion bushels. Soybean acres came in basically unchanged. So we had 87 and a half million acres of soybeans projected to be planted. Yields are projected at 52 bushels per acre. This puts us at about 4.5 billion bushels for the new marketing year. Wheat production is estimated slightly higher than last year, along with declines in cotton yields. Planted acres for wheat came in at 49.9 million acres. The projected yield would generate wheat production of about 1.6 billion bushels. Planting expectations for cotton are about 11.3 million acres, down 18% from the 2022 estimate. USDA anticipates a 10% yield drop to 854 pounds per acre. Nelson says the May WASDE report sets the tone for the growing season. Really, this was a bearish report, especially for corn and soybeans. Much like last year, this WASDE report in May has a lot of weight being carried in the global markets. And we talk about that Black Sea region and what might happen. Farmer planting decisions really won't be updated by USDA until the June 30th acreage report. This will provide more information that we can use to kind of build expectations for the upcoming marketing year. Learn more at fb.org slash market intel. From Washington, I'm Michael Clements for Texas Ag Today. There are more than a dozen species of venomous snakes in Texas. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have tips on how to determine which ones are venomous and which ones are most likely not coming up on Texas Ag Today. And there are some changes taking place on June 11th of this year regarding animal antibiotics and growth implants. 
Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There are some changes taking place on June 11th of this year regarding animal antibiotics. Dr. Bob Judd says there are also some changes regarding cattle growth implants. Over-the-counter antibiotics for livestock will require a prescription from your veterinarian after June the 11th of this year. There will also be some updates regarding growth-promoting implants and reimplantation at this time. Dr. Sandy Stutchen with the University of Wisconsin Extension indicates that the Food and Drug Administration approved several steroid implants in the 1950s for growing and finishing beef cattle that were confirmed to be safe with no withdrawal time. The use of these implants in stocker cattle can increase average daily gain by 5 to 20 percent, improve feed efficiency by 5 to 15 percent, and improve lean tissue disposition by 5 to 12 percent. These increases in growth are significant considering the amount of gain and the low cost of the implants. While implants are labeled for sex, age, and stage of production, the implant labels did not include directions for reimplantation within the production stage for which they were intended. A letter from the Food and Drug Administration, or FDA, to the beef industry in May of 2021 stated there will be no changes to how implants may be used at this time. However, the FDA recognized that the labeling for certain products may be unclear to the end user regarding repeat implantation. So the agency began working with drug sponsors to clarify the labeling of the affected beef cattle growth implants. The target date for implant label updates is June the 11th of this year. So it is important to know there will be some label changes on the implants at that time. And this could have an effect on the timing of implanting your beef cattle. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are more than a dozen species of venomous snakes here in Texas. Jessica Domel takes a closer look in today's wildlife report. Of the 70 to 80 species of snakes that may call Texas home, only about a dozen or so are venomous. So how can you tell which ones are venomous? Dr. Maureen Frank, Associate Professor of Conservation Biology at Sol Ross State University, says venomous snakes often have a distinct head shape. The most speciose type of venomous snake that we have here in the U.S. are pit vipers. They have a triangle-shaped head because they've got venom glands and these heat sensing pits on the side of their faces that give them that triangular shape. So for most of the venomous snakes in the U.S., that's correct. But there's two important caveats. One is that a lot of our non-venomous snakes are very good at mimicking that. The water snakes are non-venomous. The genus is Nerodia. If those get threatened, they'll flare out their heads so that they look like a water moccasin or cotton mouth, which is a pit viper. And bull snakes will do the same sort of thing. Hognose snakes are another one that can look a little bit like a rattlesnake. And they'll all do that to mimic a venomous snake. 
The other caveat to that is that in Texas, we do have one species that is venomous is not a pit viper, and that's the coral snake. Now, thankfully, that's one that people are pretty readily able to identify because they're the bright red, black, and yellow bands. And so that's the one that goes with the rhyme of red touch black, friend to jack, red touch yellow, kill a fellow. That rhyme only works in the U.S. As you head south of here in Central and South America, there are snakes that break that rule and are venomous. That was Dr. Maureen Frank from Sol Ross State University. Photos and information on the venomous snakes that can be found in Texas are available on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. Just search snakes. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Live cattle and cotton closed higher on Wednesday, while feeder cattle, corn and wheat all dropped lower. We'll check out all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a mixed trade in the cattle complex on Wednesday as live cattle closed higher, feeder cattle finishing lower. June live cattle were up 95 cents to close at 164.82, the August up 65, 163.12, October live cattle up 15 cents, 167.07. Feeder cattle futures saw a lot of red ink with May feeders dropping $1.15, 204.55. August down 32 cents at 231.15. September feeders down 37, 233.95. Cash fed cattle market still quiet as of Wednesday afternoon. The feedlots were asking 172 and better, but packers were only bidding 167. Box to beef prices mixed on Wednesday. Choice up 64 cents, $300.11 cents. Select down 17 at 284.18. Now let's check those auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. This is Riley Rhodes. He sells cattle in Three Rivers on Monday. Riley, how did it go? Uh, market was real active, Larry. Um, like we talked last night, uh, had a short run today. Volume was light with 428 head, uh, but the uh, market, uh, all the kids in the early fully steady. The two to four higher, uh, they put uh, quite a bit of money on the, on the uh, Packard gal. On the rail cows, they were, I guess, four to six higher. Um, sold some pairs today, anywhere from 1050 up to 1675. Bred cows from nine and a quarter up to 1700. The high yielding Packard cows, a dollar two to dollar ten. Breakers, 94 to dollar four. Canners, 64 to 86. High yielding Packard bulls, 108 to 118. Um, low to medium yielding bulls, 88 to dollar eight. Two to three weight choice steers, 234 to 266. Have from eight to 218 to 234. Three to four weight choice steers, 238 to 268. Um, they're heifer mates, 214 to 232. Four to five weight choice steers, 236 to 262. Heifer mates, 214 to 230. 
the 5 to 6 weight choice tiers 224 to 242, FMH 202 to 216, the 6 to 7 weight choice tiers 198 to 212, their heifer mates 180 to 194, and the 7 to 8 weight choice tiers 186 to 202, and heifer mates 170 to 184. So got along good, just a little bit of short volume due to the weather and Mother's Day and everything, but uh, got along real well as far as the market went. Tell everybody how to contact you, Riley. 361-786-2553 is the office. 361-813-6650 is the cell. LibelClassDoc.com is the web. And next week, Larry, we're going to have about 120 uh, good brummer cows here uh, off of one place. There'll be some pears and breads, a good age cow. Also have about a little over 100 weaned uh, F1 Brayford steers and about 100 uh, Brangus cross calves off another place. So ought to have a good run for next week. All right. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Larry. Bye-bye. And, neighbor, we appreciate you, too, for listening to Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host, Larry Marble. You're listening to us on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs finished lower in Wednesday's trade. June hogs down 232 at 84.87. July hogs down 257, 85.55. Class 3 milk was slightly lower. May milk down 2 cents, 16.20 a hundredweight, with June milk down 2 at 16.31 a hundred. Big jump in the cotton market Wednesday, mainly on rumors that we will see a strong export sales report on Thursday morning. July cotton up 356 points, 86.94. October cotton up 124 points, 84.75, with December cotton up 139 at 83.89 cents. The corn market continues to drop following last week's USDA crop estimates and supply demand report. USDA calling for a record corn crop this year and a big jump in ending stocks. We closed with July corn down 19 and three quarters, 561 and a half. September corn down nine and a half, below five bucks now, 497 a bushel. December corn down six and a quarter. At 4.99 a bushel, wheat market closed lower on news that Russia has agreed to extend the Black Sea grain export deal for another two months. July Kansas City wheat down nine and three quarters, 8.85 and a half. July Chicago wheat down 22 cents, 6.25 and a half. In the energy markets Wednesday, June natural gas was unchanged at 2.37. June West Texas crude up a dollar 82.70 a barrel. The financial markets higher Wednesday afternoon. The Dow up 402 points, 33,414. The Nasdaq up 164 points, 12,507. The S&P up 49 at 4,159. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.